Hello and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Dandial. Chris, we made it. Through all the shenanigans over the past year, you kind of think back and you look back at last year and just the way that the Big East tournament got shut down midway through. Nova didn't even get to play a postseason game to getting through the regular season. Another Big East tournament, although it didn't really have a great ending. We'll get to that in a little bit. But just to be back here and just see Selection Sunday again, I forgot how much I missed all this. This is this is amazing. Yeah, dude. Seeing Selection Sunday this past weekend, just it got me got me reinvested into the season. And not just because, you know, Villanova's having a little bit of a down year. I think just with all the COVID stuff and whatnot, it's kind of taken us out of it a little bit. But then you see that happening. You're like, all right, you know what? This is for real now. This is happening. We could put last year behind us. I know the pandemic's still going on, but at least we're trying to make some improvements, trying to get out of it. And this is a, on a sports side and a very little step in the, in a good fun direction. Yeah, exactly. Just watching the bracket reveal. I forgot how much fun it is. You you start to think of, you know, who's going to be there. You start seeing some surprises. Like for example, Syracuse, I thought that as much as I did not want Georgetown to win, I thought that Georgetown would have stole their bid, but no, they ended up stealing Louisville's bid. Which is all right, but I would have loved to see Bayheim, the Orangemen, sit this one out. Same. We were thinking about it. Like, do we even recap the Big East tournament? Yeah, <laughs> it was. Move on. And I, I was thinking about it. And in a normal year, every year, we would do it anyway. And it was very unfortunate because it was the first time Villanova got knocked out of the quarterfinals since 2014, the quote unquote first tournament of the quote unquote new Big East. And that was against Seton Hall. And this one was another thriller against Georgetown. Villanova mm-hmm. lost 72 to 71. It feels like eons ago, but it was it actually does. less than a week ago. Yeah, I, I was going to tell you, Eugene, let's not even recap this this game because I don't remember much of it. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to forget all of highlight it. Pack. Yeah, I tucked it away in the memory bank that I'm sure will rear its ugly head at some point when Villanova's in a close game against Georgetown again. But yeah, I, I had to rewatch a highlight pack and be like, oh yeah, that's what happened. That's how they ended up there. But it, that was, uh, oof. I, it's not like I didn't expect it. I mean, I, I think we, we both predict for Villanova to win. But at the same time, as that game was developing, we're like, all right, this, this actually kind of makes sense. Well, there was a point, though, where I thought Nova was going to pull away. It was it was yeah, definitely a rock yeah. fight, but when they were up nine in the closing minutes of the game, yeah. I thought that, all right, this is it. <laughs> the shark is smelling the blood in the water. It's time to put these Hoyas to sleep. And unfortunately, it took a 23 for 23, a Big East record performance from the free throw line for the Hoyas. And Dante Harris, a freshman who averaged, what, like eight points per game going into the tournament, he exits as, like, tournament MVP. He had a yeah. huge game against Nova. Cutis Wahab punished the Cats inside. Jamarco Pickett had his. And then on the Nova side, it was really the Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Jermaine Samuel show. They had over 20 points apiece. It was a tough one down the stretch. There was that late call. But, you know, with all these days that we've had to kind of digest it, I'm over it. I'm upset with the way it ended. But on the bright side, at least the loss was somewhat justified because we lost to the eventual champion. It wasn't like, oh, we, we lost to Georgetown and then they got blown out by St. John's right. or Seton Hall the next round. Right. Good point. I guess we did the Big East a favor by just lying down and giving Georgetown a chance and they got in and now the Big East got four representatives. So 
Shout outs to uh, Villanova for doing the conference a solid. Nah, but seriously though, you, you got to get more from everyone else. I mean, it's pretty apparent. I mean, Jerry played a really good game offensively, but like even then, you can't even give him like full props for it. And like I, I know that's kind of maybe a little bit controversial to say, but when you're going, he went seven to thirteen from the free throw line. He missed three key free throws down at at the end of the game there, uh, especially missing the front end of two one and ones, and then going one of two his third trip to the line in the last 30 seconds, which would have put Villanova ahead up two. and worst case scenario, those two free throws by Harris gets the game tied and it's not a loss uh, with regards to that call. Was it a ticky tack call? Yes. Has Villanova been a benefit of that for at least the past six, seven years? Yes. I think we saw Archie Diacono, uh, Ryan Archie Diacono. I now have to clarify that tweeting out that like, Oh, is this how Providence fans felt back in 2015? in the Big East tournament uh, semifinals that year. Yeah, that was a pretty BS call that went in Villanova's favor. And in a weird way, Georgetown needed to play a perfect game from the free throw line. And just like Villanova had to play a perfect game against them in 85. Now, would you rather have the perfect game in 85 national championship or would you (laughs) rather have it in the first or quarterfinals of the 2021 Big East tournament? I think we all know which one we're taking. So it depends who you talk to. I know the Seton Hall fans still ride that 2016 Big East title. They are a special breed. Man. So <laughs> let, let them have their fun. But at the same time, it was just so, so bad. Like Slater had an O for Chris Archidiacono, like was all right, I guess, but still hasn't made a shot from the field. Caleb Daniels was basically a non-factor. Uh, Dixon got some burn, which was pretty nice. And then the biggest story of the entire game, at least oh, going into the it, biggest was surprise. Justin Moore. Like, I couldn't believe he was playing. I had my brother texting me like, oh, Moore's warming up. I mean, I was at work, so I wasn't watching it. And then I was like, oh, wait. I'm like, wait, why would he be warming up? I guess they're just like testing it out. And then he was playing. He, he pulled the w- Willis Reed in the garden. And it was, it, it seemed to provide them a little bit of life. Because like you said, Eugene, it got them to a nine-point lead late. And then he fouled out. And then everything went to crap. So... I just was like, all right, I guess now that Moore's playing, he's healthy. He definitely should be ready for the tournament. So I guess that's the little silver lining. But as a whole, this team still looked bad. Yeah, to me, that was definitely the biggest positive of the Big East tournament. I know that they said he was quote-unquote doubtful, but let's hear from Jay Wright a little bit more with what happened with Justin Moore that day. Our trainer told us, the best chance would be possibly he could play on Saturday if we made it to Saturday. And then he worked out a little bit on Wednesday, you know, and he said the same thing. And then he was working out on the court before the game. And he came to me and said, you're not going to believe this, but he, you know, he looks great. There's nothing he can't do. And he wants to play. So, you know, the trainer said he was okay and he wants to play. I, I want to give him the chance. And I think he came out of it pretty well. Like we gave him a couple of days off after, but then he practiced today and I think he'll be fine. Turner said he was good. Moore said he was good. I'm glad Jay gave him a chance. They gave him a few days off. And, I'm, you know, I'm really happy to hear that Jay thinks he'll be in great shape, feeling pretty good for the NCAA tournament. But, yeah, to me, that was definitely, especially after the loss to Georgetown, that was probably, like, the biggest headline. It kind of got lost, though, in that sad feeling yeah. of losing to Georgetown. It did. It got completely buried by everybody. I mean, we just completely buried it for like, what, the past 10 minutes or so. Well, yeah, because the free <laughs> throw shooting, you, you yeah. talk oh, about it, Chris. It was a little frustrating. JRE, it was tough because how can you complain at a 26-point right. game, six rebounds, 
he was him and Jermaine Samuels were really the only ones getting getting it going on the floor. They were hitting their shots, and then all of a sudden you're at the free throw line, and it's like, ah, it wasn't perfect. It was a good performance, but it wasn't perfect. And unfortunately, you needed perfect when Georgetown was going to hit all twenty three of theirs. Yeah, you needed to. You needed to hit yours, and you needed your best player who was on the court at the time to hit hit his, and he didn't. And that's basically what the game came down to. And another thing with that call, and I mean, you kind of just alluded to it, is like, yes, it was a ticky-tack call. Yes, Villanova has benefited from it in the past, but at the same time, you shouldn't even be in that freaking position. This is, I, I know Georgetown ended up winning the Big East tournament, and they're a good team, but you're the number 14 team in the nation at the time. You shouldn't be losing to unranked Georgetown. Like, you should just, you should be able to win these games. And you did it. You shouldn't have even been in this position to where that foul call should have determined the game, you know? And then in like a sick twist of fate, there was like 4.7 seconds left and everyone was like losing their minds. Like, ooh, 4.7. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't I don't think this ends the same way, I guess. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I was just like, I just was just being real at the time. Like, do you really think anyone's going to hit a shot after everything the way this game has gone? No. 9 of 30 from three. And then like they ended up with Caleb Daniels basically just running down the court the whole time and I guess he could have passed it off to JRE to take a long shot three pointer, but at the same time, like the way JRE has been shooting from beyond the arc, I don't know if that was the best idea. But either way, they they were just kind of screwed. You know what it reminded me of? Kind of going to 2016. Remember how they said in the Big East tournament final they tried to run Nova, and then Ryan Archie Diagno slipped on some wet part of the court, and then his yeah. shot just sailed way short. It was kind of like that. Everyone was expecting them to run Nova. I'm sure they were probably in the huddle like, oh, yeah, we're doing Nova today. And then all of a sudden, it was the opposite of that. It didn't really look coordinated. It just kind of looked like, all right, Caleb, take this ball downfield and let's see what we can do with it. And he dribbles down court, tosses up a shot, didn't make it. Tough way to lose. Really tough way to lose, especially against Georgetown. I did give Villanova a little bit of a pass just because they were down Colin Gillespie. And Justin Moore, I'll say, was probably, what, 80%? He wasn't yeah. 100. No, he wasn't. And then he fouled out. Then he like, fouled right, out. Right. Yeah, then he fouled yeah. out. So, problems problems all around. It doesn't shock me that they lost. On the other the hand, first. though, it did look like Georgetown was on some sort of run. Maybe Big John was watching over them. Patrick Ewan. Went from unrecognized in Madison Square Garden to champion <laughs> a few days later. And the other thing, too, was, yeah, Nova lost, but at least it wasn't the embarrassing beatdown performance by Creighton. What happened to them? You know, for the oh, big, yeah. big baddie offensive team in the conference, they just looked like they did not stand a chance against the Hoyas. No, they did not. They, I was checking in on that game periodically, and the score just kept going further and further in Georgetown's direction. I think Creighton had like a nine minute like spell where they didn't score in the first half. And I think it even bled into the second half a little bit. I mean, and that's Creighton, like one, probably one of the best offensive teams in the country. And that for them to go completely scoreless for an extended period of time, I think it was just Georgetown's time, you know? We lost to them, but on, on the bright mm-hmm. side, it just seemed like it was some part of some divine run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I happen to agree with you there. Speaking of divine runs, how about DePaul winning a game? You know, that's that's pretty cool. Butler even won. So you had a lot – about him half of the bracket as we were all like, oh, yeah, this is like a really tough bracket, tough side of the bracket. The, the bottom two seeds ended up winning. <laughs> yeah, it was a really interesting anyway. Big East tournament. Too bad after Villanova lost. Like, for example, the St. John's-Seton Hall game went down to the wire. 
fantastic I that because I was too busy being sad. Yeah, I didn't watch it, but it looked like a fantastic <laughs> game over time and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then Georgetown beating Seton Hall. It sounded like a great game. I was still sad then. But I did tune back yeah. in for the championship <laughs> final, and I was just shocked at what I saw, especially for a Crane team that was at full strength. And for them to be seated higher than Nova, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Yeah, they're all on the same seed line, but to take one yeah. spot over, I don't know. You just got yeah. smacked by Georgetown. You had your full team. Nova was one and a half players down. Come on. Come on. That's that Gillespie injury adjustment that got to factor in. That's what it is. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Uh, real quick, though, I want to ask you one question. So you had that Georgetown-Seton Hall matchup in the semifinals, right? And I had this discussion with my brother. I want to know what your answer would be or, or was at the time. Would you would rather have Georgetown win that or Seton Hall win that? Oh, Georgetown wins that. Georgetown okay. wins that. I cannot right. I cannot stand – oh, no, 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 no. See, it's, it's weird because it's. I think it's the fan base that kills it for me. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. I give them credit. They're very passionate about their Pirates, and they're, they're very ride or die, but I feel like there's kind of a disdain that they have for Nova and everything affiliated with it that's a little different than how other people view their fan bases. Uh, I happen to agree with you 100% there. It's like Georgetown's like an old rival, and I guess they're our most storied rival. But at least, you know, I, I think we kind of respect them at the end of the day. You know, they're not a big pain in the, the butt most of the time. Or at least they know. haven't been since the Right, new in, in a while, outside, <laughs> yeah. of a, outside of a couple games here and there and yeah, maybe Montes a little bit of a stretch Rivera. run. I feel like once your team is out, you just root for chaos. That's, that's a madness. Yeah. That's part of it. And yeah, that's a for good them point. to go from projected last place finish – to champion that that's pretty cool that's pretty cool yeah ewing has done a heck of a job you gotta you gotta really give it up to him after all the turmoil that they've been through the past couple of years with transfers and controversies going on and they got through it and they ended up with a big east title at the end of the day yeah and then right after that we went right into selection sunday definitely tuned in for that it's it's interesting because I feel like Selection Sunday, it's like a fresh start. You know, anything that happened beforehand, it, it doesn't really matter anymore. So that sour taste you had from losing your conference tournament or even the great feeling you had from ruining your conference tournament or a dominant regular season, it, does, it goes out the window now. The records don't really matter. Anything can happen in March, as we've always seen with each year. The brackets came out. Live reveal, and the top seeds are Baylor, Gonzaga, Illinois, and Michigan. However, only one of those top teams matter, and that's Baylor because they're in Villanova's South region. The Cats were given the number five seed in the South, and they'll start off against Winthrop, the 12th seed. And then whoever wins that will get to play Purdue because, of course, or North Texas. Yeah, that's a first-round matchup against Winthrop. I know in, like... 07, 08, they had a little bit of an upset. So, like, that's how you kind of knew about them. At least that's how I knew about them in the past. But everyone seems to be hopping on the Winthrop band bandwagon already. And we'll preview preview them on Thursday. But I just want to say something. When did everybody somehow become a Winthrop expert? Like, overnight. It's like, <laughs> oh, Villanova's playing Winthrop. Up, oh, they're going to win 20 and 1 or whatever. Uh, did you look at their schedule? They played like the Charleston YMCA. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. Like, why is everyone freaking out? Oh, because they play fast and that gives Villanova trouble? Okay. You know what? Fine. Fine. But like, to, like Seth Davis. Like, oh, yeah. What, he, yeah. What he a, didn't even hesitate. He did not even hesitate. Thank you for bringing this up. 
What a jackass. Dude didn't predict one other game with the exception. I think he said Georgetown, I think, was going to be whoever their five seed is. I can't remember off the top of my head. It doesn't matter. But he's like, the first game he predicted was in the second region that they announced. And it was Villanova's region. And it was like, oh, yeah, Winthrop's going to win that game. Gillespie's out. And I'm like, look, all right. Buddy. You know, maybe on Thursday I might pick Winthrop to win. I don't know. But, like, all this, like, talk about how Winthrop's all so great and how, like, Villanova's already getting beaten down, it's got me fired up in the other direction now. I'm like, screw this. No, uh, Villanova is going to go out there and win. I, I can't take this as a five seed. We're already getting disrespected. This is like bringing up those old memories of, like, 2014, 2015. And you know what? Yeah, the experts at the end of the day, I guess they were right. But everyone was beating Villanova down day in and day out in, in the media. And it's, it's going back to that. And I guess we kind of avoided it with two national championships in 16 and 18. But now we're right back to it. And I'm just, I, I already hate it. And it's already driving me up the wall. Yeah, I get Gillespie's hurt. All right. But for so many people, Seth Davis included, and all the Twitter experts, that's a great point, Chris. Winthrop, Sharpie them in already. I'm like, whoa, what? What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what? yeah. 23 and one in the Big South. And anyone, if you take just the amount of same time for them to come to that 30 minute conclusion that Winthrop is going to win. If you Google Winthrop's basketball schedule, let's just say you could put DePaul in there and there'll be a conference championship contender. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. The, like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. This is still Winthrop. And I know the 512, always trendy upset. But yes. I don't know. I don't think you can call it that quickly, that easily against Nova's favor. And yeah, Chris, like you said, that got me fired up as well. I can't wait for Villanova to prove those talking heads wrong. The overnight armchair Winthrop experts and for mm-hmm. and to also prove Seth Davis wrong who by the way eats scrambled eggs on cream cheese on a bagel what is that that's weird yeah what is that? you uh, you're losing me there you're losing uh, me there you lost me there when I saw him do it in person oh you saw it this was an in-person thing. this was, yeah this was an in-person breakfast we were all oh, we were having he, breakfast I thought he probably tweeted about it and saying this is right right guys and trying to get the Twitter mob to approve him but if you saw that yeah, I, I, it's uh that is something. Yeah, nice guy. Nice guy. You know, we were talking college hoops and whatnot. And as he's talking to me, he literally put some scrambled egg on a cream cheese bagel and then took a nice bite out of it. And that's how he ate his bagel. Well, I guess uh, I guess that's how he gets to watch all his Winthrop games with a scrambled <laughs> egg and cream cheese bagel. And that's why he's so convinced. So convinced that he said on the selection Sunday show when the rest of the bracket wasn't even announced to pick Winthrop over Villanova. But you know what? It's fine. Get me all fired up again, and, and that's that's great. That's that's nice. I, I'm glad you got me reinv- reinvigorated in this team. And we'll save the preview for Thursday, like I said. But just a quick preview, just a little quick note. Looking at Kempom right now, uh, Winthrop's 91. And I know Kempom's not the end all. Winthrop's 91. At 80 is Marquette. And I know two different teams, but I'm just saying. Like, they're 11 places worse. <laughs> 11 teams worse than Marquette. And Villanova handled them pretty well. So I'm just, I'm just. Yeah, not not just that. According to Ken Palm, too, they're also the worst 12 seed out of all the 12 seeds. So. Oh, excellent. Also good to know. With the other matchup, I don't know anything about Purdue this year. I'm not going to lie. We have Thursday to do all our research for that. But I know that they don't have Carson Edwards. They don't have Matt Harms anymore in his hair. He transferred out (laughs) last year. However, again. We got to do this again. 
why why are they there again <laughs> it's so why? it's so annoying it's so annoying and i just like i want to see a little bit of variety like i want to see other teams from other conferences that usually villanova won't have the chance to play and i'm not i'm not by saying this i'm not assuming that villanova is going to win on friday night but that being said like purdue was in in villanova's bracket in 18 and 19 and now in 21 which is three in a row because 2020 didn't happen and texas tech is also on the flip side of the bracket at, as the sixth seed. So you're basically getting the 2018 East region back back together. And I'm just like, come on. Come on, guys. Like, why? Can we, can we just throw something different out there? Like, there's also a very small potential that Villanova could play Wisconsin again in the Sweet 16. They could get UNC again. I, I feel like all these teams Villanova has played, like, already. And I guess, I guess when you're in the tournament that much, I guess it eventually starts to add up. But still, like, can we – see something different <laughs> yeah I, I don't know man life's the biggest troll and the joke's on us but maybe north texas pulls maybe. something off with their sick mean green jerseys it would be nice because villanova really hasn't benefited from an upset in years i'd say like 08 was probably the last time they got like a legit upset on the on like their next potential matchup other notable things in nova's region i will say Hartford, Baylor, there was a part of me. I know that Hartford was going to get a low seed, but I was hoping that they could just give Tracy Carter one last shot against <laughs> Just one last shot. Fourth time's well, the charm. Eugene, it can happen. Sweet 16. <laughs> it, it can happen. Yeah, very, the, very become small. Become the second uh, 16 seed to ever pull off a first-round matchup upset and then become the first 16 seed to make it to the Sweet 16. That'd be great. That'd be great. That would be awesome. While knocking off UNC Wisconsin <laughs> in the second round, a, a severely underseeded Wisconsin again too. That's the committee loves doing that. So not only does the committee love putting Villanova with Purdue, they also love underseeding Wisconsin. And Wisconsin has a nine total. It would be so funny if, let's say, Hartford does make it to the Sweet 16 and Villanova makes it to the Sweet 16 too, only for Tracy Carter to lose to Villanova for the fourth time in his career. That would just be tragic. Like I would just quit basketball at that point. <laughs> he, he he would uh, he would have to avoid. Jay Wright at all walks of life from here on out. It's just a walking bad omen every time he sees that name. <laughs> I would feel so I'd actually feel legitimately bad. He would be the first 16 to make the sweet 16, though. So I guess I guess he'll take that trade off. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you I, ask him. I'm sure there's a part of him that's sick of losing to Nova and the Cats. Eh, fair point. And also in Nova's region is Texas Tech. Mac McClung, welcome to the big show. Nova faced them in 2018, but yeah, of course they're back. And then Oh, and Ohio State is the number two seed in the region. But outside of our region, looking just all across, there were three other Big East teams, and obviously UConn got a seven seed. They're going to play Maryland, and the winner of that gets to potentially face Javon Quinterly or Rick Pitino in the next round. And then you also have Georgetown in that same region. They're a 12 seed in the, another trendy 5-12 pick, Colorado versus Georgetown. And then the last Big East team to make it, Creighton, the Big East tournament runner-up, the regular season runner-up as well. They were given a fifth seed, and they take on UC Santa Barbara. The flip side matchup next to them is Virginia, Ohio, and it would be very interesting to see an offense versus defense matchup in the round of 32 with Virginia and the Blue Jays. That's assuming Virginia doesn't get shut down with COVID, though. That's did, also true. Did you hear – I didn't know this until yesterday, but did you know that there's – if like, let's just say, God forbid, like, Virginia gets an uptick in COVID cases and, like, Louisville's, like, the first team to replace. They just put Louisville as the fourth seed. They don't readjust the bracket. Yeah. 
Yeah, they I don't. did not. I wasn't uh, privy to that at all until uh, as of yesterday. That that's pretty wild. I didn't know that too until I was on the conference call with Rick Pitino and and Iona and and someone talked about COVID scares and anything like that because obviously they've been shut down like four different times. But then he mentioned how they could potentially go against Louisville if Alabama drops out. And I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. And then I thought about that. I was like, wait a second, they're just gonna hand them, they're gonna hand them the yeah, two seed. Like, <laughs> like you're the first team in on the waiting list. Here's a two seed. Welcome back. That's so weird and so stupid at the same time. But I get I get it because like for like a game planning aspect, but at the same time, like it's all in like a little mini bubble. It's not like you can like readjust these teams on the fly. But what I, I don't know. Also, how funny would it be if let's say Obviously, they mentioned the four teams that are on the waiting list. First team's in if other teams drop out. But if Hartford were to drop out and then Louisville goes in as a 16 seed and then a, a second team drops out and that team gets like a, a three seed, that'd be just so unfortunate. Well, to your point on that, and that's the other thing I found out yesterday. Apparently, though, if one team from the – if you're the only team representing your conference, that conference then sends another team from the same conference. So Louisville wouldn't take Hartford. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see, so, I see, I see. This is why so I, I don't know. need you here, Chris. This is the research. Uh, uh, this is brand news, brand new news to me. Because I was like, I was thinking this along the same way. It's like, man, like Baylor was expecting a cakewalk in the first round. Now they got to get Louisville. Like that kind of stinks. But at the same time, like I, I get the whole thing. Yeah, it's good to know that. So it only applies to out-large bids or if you, what? I I was under the assumption that it only applies to teams that are representing their comp. The only team representing. Okay, conference. so those one bid conference teams. Okay. One bid conference teams. Sense. So I'm assuming it's yeah. So it has to be automatic. Yeah, and you just got a bunch of teams like random teams waiting around. Like so, like for your your sake, Gene Iona, they're the only MAC team ready. So like I'm assuming they would send Fairfield, who lost to them in the in the championship. How do you? Why would you? Why would the MAC want to send them? Why don't they want to send like uh, a St. Peter's or a uh, yeah, one of their better teams in the regular season? One of their better squads. So yeah. like, do you just have all those teams on on watch? Like that's just. I don't, and then like to send them to Indianapolis on short notice, I just I feel like it becomes even easier for their opponent. Yeah, that's the other thing too. I feel like with all these different rules and regulations and fallback plans, it it's one common theme. Everybody just has their fingers crossed and hopes that they don't actually have to use this rule. Right. No, I, I agree. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of questions here regarding COVID. And the other thing, too, was the whole NCAA is only allowed a seven-day gap. I don't know. I don't know, especially with the way you had some of these teams that were out then in or may have had a COVID scare. It's like seven days. I don't know if that's enough. You could have easily scheduled in another week. But, you know, that's, that's above my pay grade. Anything else stand out to you about this bracket? Not really, honestly. It's it's weird. I felt like I feel like every year we have like a couple of big storylines. Like every matchup has like a storyline you could pinpoint. You can even like stretch stretch it a little bit, like grasp at straws. But like at least you could come up with something. But with this year, it feels like everything's just put together like it should be. Like there's no adjusted curve. Yeah, normally I know that the committee loves its storylines, especially for the first round matchups. It's like the only way to make a one in 16 or like a two and 15 seed relevant. Like, oh, this guy was an assistant for this coach years ago and now they have to play each other. Or, oh, this coach is coaching against his alma mater. 
not really anything like that of this sort this year. No, very little of it, if any. Oh, and one more thing. We, we glossed over this, but shout out to Drexel making it for the first time in what, 25 I mean, years or something like that? Congrats on uh, that. Very long time. And your, uh, your reward <laughs> is Illinois. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Audisamu, Kofi Coburn, and Andre Corbello. Have fun. And one more thing before we put the bracket to rest and start to focus on Villanova's path. They already announced the tip-off time. Chris, I hope you got your coffee ready. I hope you got your adult <sighs> beverages ready. Yeah. 9.57 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Villanova versus Winthrop. The last game <sighs> of the first day of the NCAA tournament. Let's go. Let's go. Wow. 9.57 p.m. It's like that time when Nova opened up against Milwaukee. That was like, what, 10-12 or whatever that was? Oh, yeah, that was a very late late night. But this is – like, I mean, I guess you could have made it made sense back then because Milwaukee's a central time zone. So at least they have like the hour <laughs> where it starts at like 9 o'clock for them instead of 10. But, like these teams are both East Coast teams. Why are they doing this? Why are they subjecting us to this? <laughs> well, It'll and we all know the game's going to the game's going to start at ten thirty. Let's be honest; it's not starting at nine fifty seven. Oh yeah, they say that it's is. so it'll be twelve thirty by the time it's over, and the probability of us being sad is higher than usual. Like this is just—I don't mean to complain that we're in the tournament, but I know it sounds like that. But geez, can you, you couldn't have just been like something else? And like, wasn't the Mount St. Mary's game in twenty seventeen? I think that was a late one too. I don't remember. There was another late one in there. Let's tell us just. That could have been, yeah, a couple of years ago. I think it might have been actually no, it might have been like prime time, but still, it, it wasn't as late as this. Yeah, no, yeah, I think it was on the later side, maybe like an eight o'clock tip, but not right. like a nine fifty-seven. No, no. Usually Last reserved for the West Coast that. teams, but no. Right, no, no, can't do that this year. At least, at least it's on a Friday, and they're doing that because the first round's Friday through Monday this year. So at least it's not a Thursday night nine fifty-seven. You know. So I guess there is a small uh, silver lining to that. Also, I heard Villanova will not be playing at Pinkle Fieldhouse. So I guess that's a plus. They're, yeah, they're playing at the Farmers something. I don't the know. Farmers Life Insurance Center or something like that. At least it's not Hinkle, Eugene. At least it's not Hinkle. And I was also thinking about it. Let's say Purdue advances. That would be a home game for them, basically. This is like, this is not fair. I'm starting to change this now. <laughs> this is just not fair. The, the, you know, between Seth Davis... And other talking heads quickly jumping on the bandwagon, discounting Villanova. Not only that, let's say they advance, and now they're going to have to play a team on a road, on the road, basically. Well, let's see if they can beat Winthrop first, and then we can start worrying about that. <laughs> North Texas, mean green. Let's get it. Let's get it. This is your do year. It. This is your year. <laughs> come on, Villanova. Do I mean come on, North Texas? Do the Villanova a favor. Come on, please. One time. One time. Sick of tired and pay, sick and tired of playing like the maximum season like each possible round the past few years. Yeah, it's funny because then you see some of those teams that they're like, oh, they're celebrating their first ever Sweet Sixteen or whatever, and then you look at it and it's like, man, man, they had every bone thrown at them outside of the first round upset they had to pull. Right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe Villanova can get a get that type of break though. Two thousand eight vibes, you know that was a that was in the four five pod. Granted, Villanova was the 12th seed in that. Got the 13th seed to help them out. They beat Siena the next round, and there you go. Sweet 16, and then they had the honor of getting crushed by Kansas. That's okay. All right, Chris, before we move on to the mailbag, real quick, rust reaction. 
I'm sure a lot of this might change for the better or the worse, depending on how much research you do over the next couple of days as we fill out brackets. I know group chats already popping off about bracket challenges and getting me psyched again for March Madness. And of course, we'll be consulting Ken Palm a lot over these next few days. But give it to me. How far does Villanova go? What's the ceiling? I think the ceiling is Elite Eight. And I think realistic projection, I think, is around the 32. (laughs) It's a tough ending considering the injury to Colin Gillespie. I do think they beat Winthrop. I don't know. I think they can make it to the Sweet 16, but I would say the absolute ceiling is Elite Eight. However, this is one of those seasons where I think it's okay to have high hopes and but you just got to keep your expectations managed right I agree. like if north right. texas wins against purdue and villanova wins oh my you know book yeah, is right, right right there i can see it now south regional final <laughs> right. i i i can see it because what i mean if that happens there's also a good chance that wisconsin could beat baylor like wisconsin severely underseeded where have we heard this before against the one seed about like, time like, it happens to somebody else. So, and then the Villanova gets Wisconsin. Do I think I could? They could beat them? I don't freaking know. But well, yeah, well, that's what the research we'll, we'll, is for later down the line. We'll cross yeah, that episode I'm, when we get right. To. Right. But I'd rather Wisconsin than Baylor. So we'll see. Before we move up to the mailbag, let's just hear from Jay Wright on his thoughts on being back in the NCAA tournament after this crazy year. So excited to start this final po- portion of the season. Uh, I, I, we always talk about never taking this for granted. It, it's such a, an honor to play in the NCAA tournament. But I think this year, more than ever, just to be able to make it to this point <laughs> and know you got a chance to play in this great tournament is an incredible uh, accomplishment. I, I wanted to make sure our guys understood that. And, um, you know, and now you play in the NCAA tournament and you, you know you're going to play a great team. Uh, we're playing a great team in Winthrop that's – 23-1, and one, won their regular season, their tournament. They shoot the threes. They got good inside people, great shooters, six, seven-point guard. <laughs> They're a really well-coached team. So, But that's what you get in the NCAA tournament. I think I will be saying about that about anybody we play. You know, we made it this far, you know, <laughs> um, and, and we made it through the regular season. We made it through – um, the conference tournament and um, and we and we get to play in the big in the NCAA tournament it really is a great sense of relief um, and, and it's a sense of accomplishment and and there's a, gr- a great sense of um, gratefulness you know that that we've been able to get here all right it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing pop open the mailbag and answer the questions that you the listeners have for us as always you can tweet us at pod. ask us anything and we'll talk about it on the show. Chris, the first set of questions is from Jerry Quinn, our guy. First one from him. Have you gotten over the loss of Georgetown yet? I would say yes, but yeah. then I remember it, and then I get sad. Uh, onwards and forwards, Eugene. We've got the NCAA tournament ahead of us. I think uh, bigger goals can be achieved here, and uh, I'm over that's the other thing, too. I think Georgetown going on and winning it all, and then also obliterating Creighton, like a full-strength Creighton team made me feel a lot better about the loss considering Nova was hurt, obviously, and missing Colin Gillespie. But then, just like you said, Chris, the Big East tournament, it's rough to lose there. But you know your season's not over yet. You still got the next one. You still got the NCAA tournament. Right. Got a game on Friday. Go out and win that. And Georgetown loss is probably forgotten. 
Exactly. Exactly. Especially Georgetown flames out in the first round. It's like, oh. Yeah, that's it's, it. okay. it's all over. Second question. Is the season a success if Villanova, A, wins one game in the NCAAs, B, wins two games in the NCAAs, or C, wins two or more games in the tournament? Chris, which one are you going with, A, B, or C? Well, I hate to put like a condition on this, but I think if, if you're going off preseason expectations, I think you would have to pick C. But now that we've played out the rest of this whole season and seen where the team is and see where the injuries lie, I, I think I think A would be a success in the grand scheme of things. I mean, B would be awesome if you get to the second weekend. But right now, I'm thinking A slash B would be a success. But if we're talking, if we were pulling me back in November that they'd only win one or two games in the NCAA tournament, I'd be like, what? No, that's a failure. That's the other thing, too. The injury to Gillespie certainly really changes your answer for this. We said it last time how Gillespie's injury and him being out for the rest of the year kind of cuts this team ceiling in half. So instead of Final Four, we're looking at Sweet 16. Obviously, they make it to the Sweet 16. That's great. It's a pretty nice milestone to make. Not too many teams get to make it there. But also, yeah, at the same time, you're thinking what could have been, what if, what if Gillespie was healthy? So I, I guess now, you know, in terms of the current situation we're in, making it to the Sweet 16 would be a success, but it, it'll always have that asterisk of sorts. Right. In our minds, at least. The history books won't look at it that way. But, no, they'll just show yeah. the Villanova almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the other thing, too. It's like with injuries, it's, it's rough, but then over time, the history books and everything else kind of forgets about it. Right. Just like the call against Georgetown in the last seconds, they that'll be completely forgotten about in about three years. Or years. just like how the Raptors beat the Warriors. Oh, I already forgot sometimes that <laughs> Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant were hurt. Yeah, same here. Doesn't Good change point. the ring. Right. And Jerry's last question is, how many replacement teams will there be in this year's tournament for those who get COVID? I think they said that the deadline for teams to withdraw is Tuesday night, so tonight. Right now, honestly, it sounds like it's going to be all system go for 68 teams, it's just going to be a bummer because you already know there's going to be a one or two stragglers that will have to leave late, and by that time, it'll be too late for a replacement team to get their shot. Right. But, you know, to answer the question, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Full prediction, zero teams. We're in a fully healthy tournament. Everyone's going to play. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm not sure that everybody will play, but I think by the time a team will have to drop out because the seven-day window is just not enough time. They could easily make it 14 or the gap in between the NCAA tournament and the conference tournament. So, unfortunately, I think zero replacement teams will get to play, but there will be a need for it. It'll just be way after the deadline. And the next question is from David Letts. He wants to know, given everything that's transpired, do you think Villanova is now a top 30 team? He doesn't mean seeding, because obviously Villanova is a five seed, so that mathematically they'd be in the top 20. Top 20, right. But he's just saying in general, of the 68 teams out there, or even you just expand it to all 357, is Villanova a top 30 team in your eyes? In its current state, I would say no. I would say no, because you can't lose to Providence, which is a team that, wouldn't even make it to the CBI. 
Second of all, mm-hmm. that Providence team got obliterated. Well, I shouldn't say they got obliterated, but they lost to DePaul, and well, you can't you, lose to DePaul. You, you lose to DePaul, you lose all credibility. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that loss, while, yeah, we know Providence is tough, and we know the injuries, this and that, but not not great, not great look. And then also the Georgetown loss, as tough or, yeah, Georgetown got hot. Statistically, that doesn't look great because what's Georgetown? If they're 12th, the, that makes them, what, 60th? in the top 60. So yeah, I would say Villanova in its current injured state is not a top 30 team in its injured state. If it was fully healthy, it would be a completely different question. When you were reading that question, I was like, yeah, of course they're a top 30 team. But now, now I'm starting to second guess that I I'd say no too. I'd happen to agree with you. I, I mean, it's all kind of a little bit of semantics at this point, but we've seen how they played hurt and it's not pretty. I will say all. on the bright side, the Georgetown game was a lot cleaner and it was better executed than the Providence game, especially on the offensive end. Still a lot of hurdles, still some obstacles, some deficiencies, but it did look better in that first round of the Big East tournament game than it did in the regular season finale. It did. It did, but still shouldn't lose that game. doesn't matter. At least we didn't get so, smacked like Creighton did. That's you know you look at that. Know, and it's like, I, oh, thank God. <laughs> I know, I know. I I understand that Villanova was just a a notch on Georgetown's uh, soon to be Big East title belt, and on a divine run, but it's just isolated good. by itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not good. So I'd say no right now, but hopefully they go out and beat Winthrop and somehow sneak into the Sweet Sixteen. And there you go. There's your answer. Top sixteen right there. And then his follow-up to that is, do you think Nova is a top 30 team next year? Well, we got some got some big, mm. you know, we got some big recruitments and, and things like that, a very talented freshman class. Next year, I would say I'd say yeah. I'd say I'd say yeah. It might it might definitely be pretty rocky in the start, just considering let's just imagine this world where all the seniors leave, the Jerry's gone. And then your leading scorer, your top scorer is going to have to be a Cole Swider, Caleb Daniels, Brandon Slater combo. So it might be iffy in the beginning, but I think that they would probably develop into a top 30 team. They have top 30 potential for sure. It, it all depends on freshmen and if they're allowed to play. <laughs> the, 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 the second part is probably the biggest one, if they're allowed yeah. to play. And if uh, – which – and I can't believe I'm even hypothesizing this, but – like Brian Antoine, like hopefully he's able to play next year with no injuries. But like we were asked, I think it was a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, like, do you think Brian Antoine's transferring? And I, sh- we both shut that down like real quick. We're like, no, heck no. Why would he ever transfer? But now that you see like Arches, Chris Archie, I was playing minutes over him and you're like, Oh, uh, I'm, I'm leaning in that direction. He might be considering, but I don't, I don't know what he's thinking, but I mean, if you see that happening, who knows? So hopefully he stays. Hopefully he's able to play. Hopefully all the freshmen come in and they're able to play. Hopefully Keels comes in. He's able to play. And yeah, they got the top 30 potential that might round out later. But uh, as of right now, I'd say no. But I think that's all contingent on how you know preseason goes and all that. Quickly hitting the Brian Antoine stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. You start to probably buy into the conspiracy or the rumors a little bit more. And you look at just across college basketball, people were saying like, oh, is it even worth it to transfer? Because next year you're going to have to go back to having to sit out. 
And this guy's already pretty much sat out for the last two years. Why would he sit a third? And then you see what happens in Louisville, one of their top big men, or he was a top big man coming out of high school, Aiden Igehan. Very talented front court player outside of the New York City area. So I, I'm familiar with his story. However, he goes to Louisville pretty much like Antoine is sidelined for two years with various injuries. And then just the other day, he announced that he's going to enter the transfer portal and look for a fresh start. And you look at a guy who's in a similar scenario in Antoine and you start to get worried a little bit. I'd love to see him play. Obviously, we've been campaigning for more minutes for this man. You can't get better if you're sitting on the pine. However, we're not a Hall of Fame coach or a Hall of Fame candidate coach, so can't really say anything about that. However, it would be great to see him play next year. It would be great to see him healthy, hopefully. But, yeah, I'd hope he gets a shot and some of those talented fresh incoming freshmen, too. And the next question is from Fred Rung. I asked a week or so ago if you're buying stock into later. Have your thoughts changed on that topic? Well, Fred, can't lie to you. That biggest <laughs> tournament game was definitely rough, especially when he had an offer. Can't, can't have that. Right. Chris, now what, you are, what are your thoughts on Mr. Brandon Slater? Yeah, that was, that was pretty bad offensively. Uh, but there were times during that game where I was like, oh, wow, that was actually a really good defense or just very active defensively, created a couple steals, I believe. So he was still doing things on the defensive end uh, despite the offensive uh, woes. So I'm still buying stock in it. I might have sold off a little bit, though. I might have sold off a little bit, but I'm still I'm still holding on to it. I think the return on investment is going to eventually pay out, and we'll, they'll be fine. So I, I think it's just one really bad game, and we can we kind of not expected it, but we've seen Brandon Slater's offensive deficiencies come come and go, and it looked like they were kind of gone at least for the most of this year. He just had a bad game, so I, I still am still a believer in him. He's still pretty good on the defensive end, so I'm not too worried. Yeah, I bought stock a couple of weeks back when Fred asked the question, and I'm still going to hang on to it. I know the value might have taken a hit after that last performance against Georgetown, but I, I still have confidence that it will trend back upwards, whether it be sometime in the NCAA tournament or definitely next year when he gets a little more wiggle room and a little more time to shine, I would say. But yeah, I can't. I can't lie to you, Fred. That was definitely a, a rough, a rough game for Georgetown. For many other players too, outside of Gary and his free throw performance. Obviously, putting that aside, but away from the free throw line, he's phenomenal. And then, of course, Jermaine Samuels. He was off to a great start. I thought he had a solid game all around too. Rest of the cats can't really say the same. I I give a slight pass to Justin Moore though, just because he wasn't fully healthy. Next one. Next question is from K Mac Nova Hoops 0304. Pretty interesting. We've already dabbled on the subject of incoming freshmen and whether or not they'll get a chance. But K-Mac wants to know, how quickly does the pod transition to a Trevor Keels watch once the Wildcats are eliminated from the dance? I will say this. For those of you who have not been following, obviously Trevor Keels has been kind of like the unicorn, five-star stud. He's coming out of the same high school that Brandon Slater went to a top prospect in his class. Also one of the remaining few that have yet to sign or commit anywhere. And throughout the whole year, even the whole season, there was so much speculation like, oh, when is he going to decide? But clearly he's been taking his time. And he is now set 
a commitment date. It's the first time we've heard anything from this guy in months. And he announced the final four. And he's going to announce the news on April 4, 2021. Now, Villanova's in the final four, along with Duke, Virginia. My mind is escaping me on the last one. When I remember it, I'll remember it. But the key... Wait, who? Kentucky. Kentucky? Okay, there we go. So you got Duke, Villanova, Mm. Kentucky, and Virginia. Final four. To me, look, I like to read into science, but... This guy has to know. He's not just throwing out an April 4 commitment date for no reason. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> Five-year five anniversary, win yeah, a national you, championship, and then yeah. you get a top-end recruit. Exactly. Five-year anniversary of the biggest shot, and he's going to follow up with another banger in the 2021 style. I hope so. would be a real nice get. Just another piece to add to the puzzle and just that much more depth. Be cool. Be fun. Now, if April 4 doesn't turn in Villanova's favor, you can look forward to more Chris Archidiak. But if you yeah. did notice, though, the crystal balls were starting to tip in Villanova's favor. Previously said Duke, but recently the crystal balls related to Keels have switched over to Nova, which is a good sign. I was going to bring that up to you. My brother had sent me something that the crystal ball for this guy was switching. Then I don't know what that means, but I guess it, it can only mean good things. I don't know what they know that we don't, but... I guess it means it's a good thing. Only time will tell. April 4, April 4, five-year anniversary of the big shot. Hopefully more good news happens on that day. And the last question is from Mark, MHR Nova 93. Will JRE be back next season? I per- Chris, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I feel about his pro prospects because right now I haven't really seen him on too many lottery picks or anything like that. It seems to be late first, second round. A part of you thinks like, oh, can he still improve his stock? But then if you're also second round. I don't know. Is it worth it? I mean, you see what happened to your teammate in Colin and God. That, that's the that other happened. thing, too. I was, I was yeah. going to say, yeah, it's like then you see what happens to Colin and then it's like, oh, man, that, you know, that's your salary right there. Right. And, and I used to be of that mindset, too, Eugene, where it's like, well, if you're not, like, a first-round prospect, why would you ever consider leaving early? Like, if you stay longer, you're probably more likely to get more exposure, to be a better prospect, and you can probably work your way up through the draft board. But nowadays, it's like, just go get the bag. Who cares? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, figure it all out later. Right. So to answer the question, do I think he stays? I do not. I think he goes, and whether he's a first-round pick or second-round pick is up to – the NBA teams and I think he'll be happy no matter where he goes. But if, uh, if he has any sort of a good tournament run, he's definitely gone. So if Villanova goes deep, he's a hundred percent gone. So you get a little bit of a double-edged sword there. At least yeah. I think so. Or not even go deep. If, if he just tears it up in the first round or maybe the second round or even the sweet 16, he's gone. Yeah. Chris, I'm starting to agree with you. I think over the last week or so, I think he's leaning towards leaving. Of course, that's, you know, that's all our speculation. Just right. tell us in the comment section. That's all we do. <laughs> yeah, I, I know nothing, so. All right, well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. We're going to be hitting you more with more in-depth previews of Winthrop and Purdue and possibly North Texas on Thursday, just before the games tip off over the weekend. So check back then. Please subscribe to the State of the Nova Nation if you haven't done so already. Look for VU Hoops or State of the Nova Nation 
on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone. You got many, many options. Check back, check often on the site. Our guy, Jake Goffman, just released a pretty good story, and I think I'm starting to get convinced a little bit. Basically, if Villanova is going to go on a run, he's laid out in about 1,200 words what needs to happen and what the recipe for success will need to be. And I think after reading that, got me a little hyped, especially also when you start reading more and more of the haters. So many haters. So many people ready to jump on that 12 seat. I don't know about that. But we'll see. We'll see. So check back on VU Hoops. Follow VU Hoops on social media at VU Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. Like our page on Facebook. And you can follow me. Eugene Repay at Erepay5. And I'm Chris Stanzia. I got nothing. Just stay safe, everybody, and enjoy the tournament. Nova Nation, just a couple more days. You got to love it. You got to love it. You got to love it. It's that time again. And after everything that's happened over this wacky year, it's just great to be back talking brackets. Who cares where Nova goes? Honestly, it'd be great to see them go far, but I'm just happy to see the tournament back talking brackets, filling out brackets, and then once Friday, Saturday, Sunday hits, oh, it's going to be full-on gluttony, pizza, TVs, multiple screens. It's going to be a great time. I'm just glad the madness is back. So enjoy it. Have a good one. Catch you Thursday.